chapter 32. And to summarize that we'll be finishing this morning, uh, the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomos, second law, or repeat, repeat of the law. Moses repeats the law to the new generation that is about to enter the land. They've been in the wilderness wandering for 40 years, and now they're about to enter the land. Moses will not enter. Joshua will take them into the land. And uh, here in chapter 32, Moses comes up with a poem or a song, a song whereby he um, uh, captures the nature and the name of God that God is the one who is over the Jewish people. God is the one who is leading the Jewish people. And uh, it's an excellent little song. You have to go slow. We won't be able to read every verse. There's a bunch of verses here. But we'll hit the highlights. So chapter 32 is this song of Moses. In chapter 33, he gives a, condiment, a commendation, a commendation to the various tribes, to the 12 tribes. And uh, then in chapter 34, we have the wrap-up of the book, Moses' death and Joshua, who succeeds him and will be leading the people into the promised land. Remember, he's taking a new generation. You cannot teach old dogs new tricks. So the, uh, the older generation had a lot of uh, imprint upon them from, from Egypt, and they would die in the wilderness. And what's interesting is that they said to Moses, hey, you brought us here in the wilderness and um, uh, we're going to die in the wilderness. Our, the bones of our children will be left in the desert here in the wilderness. And God has humor. God says, no, your bones will be left in the wilderness. You're going to die and not enter the promised land. And so the new generation from 20 years of age and, uh, and under ended up entering the land uh, because it was a, they had a new mindset. They had started all over again, if you will, under Moses and the inspiration that the Lord gave to him. And uh, so a new generation will enter the land under Joshua. Let's go to chapter 32. We'll read some of the highlight verses in chapter 32. This is a poem or a song meant to be memorized and sung uh, as they gather around the fires at night. And uh, so it's in kind of a meter form, though not, not rhyme form as we would know of a, a poem. Verse 1, Give ear, O heavens, and let me speak, says Moses. Let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Both heaven and earth are to hear what Moses is about to say. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as the droplets on the fresh grass, as the showers on the herb. For I proclaim the name of the Lord. That's the purpose of this song. To proclaim the name of the Lord. All that's been said, all the verses, all the chapters here in Deuteronomy that were given as instruction to the new generation about to enter the land, as important as they were, something else is more important. And that is the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. You and I are to uplift the Lord. That's our task. Whether it's witnessing about the fact that God sent His Son to die for us, or instructions as to how to live, or the fact that when we die, we're going to go to heaven and be with our God. Uh, whatever aspect, it comes back to Him, comes back to His name. By the way, in verse 3, it says, I proclaim the name of the Lord. A name in biblical days generally reflected character. 
the character of a person. The name of the Lord reflects who he is. It's very important to, to lift him up and to understand the nature of our God. He is both loving, he is kind, but he is also true and he will bring judgment upon those who play games with him. And, and by the way, the, the, the fear of the Lord, the concept of fear, and I looked this up in my, uh, in my Hebrew lexicon, uh, the word fear can be, and we all do this, and, and this is true, can have two different meanings. One is fear, to really fear God. The other is to respect, to fear or respect. If I'm obeying Him, I should be respecting Him. If I'm playing games with God, if I'm not obeying Him, I, can, I should fear God. He will, he will spank even His believers. He will take us to the woodshed. He will allow things to come upon us. He will bring things against us if we toy with His grace. Uh, he will not take away our salvation. Our salvation is secure in Christ. But He will bring a judgment against us. He will remove things from us. He will retard things that uh, could be blessings to us. He will stop them. He will put us out into the wilderness, so to speak, the spiritual wilderness, in order to cause us to do what? To say, Oh God, <laughs> Oh God, get me back in relationship with you. Oh God, I have to cry unto Him. And so He can bring a judgment, uh, and uh, 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 He is to be feared if we play games with Him. Uh, as in the earthly aspect, and this is not popular today, but children should respect their parents and fear their dad if they are toying with my dad, with, with, with our dad. My dad uh, uh, never spanked me, but he came very close several times. <laughs> and uh, I was in junior high, and I can't remember, I think I smarted back at him, and boy, did I take off running. And dad couldn't catch me, and, uh, but he almost got me, and he was going to spank me. And uh, but uh, I always say he'd never spank me because I was such a good kid. But that wasn't really the truth. <laughs> he, he was just much older and just couldn't catch me. So uh, anyway, uh, there was a fear of dad. My dad had a line in the sand, and don't don't mess with dad, okay? And he could be very caustic with his mouth. He could judge me with his mouth, very very much so. But I, I respected him. I saw so many good things in my dad. Uh, he also could be. Uh, uh, very harsh in, in, the, in the way that he would address me or, or treat me. But at the same time, uh, my dad had a lot of good qualities, and I, I can see some of them in me. I wish I had more of the, the good qualities uh, that my dad had. I proclaimed the character of the Lord, the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God. He's not just another God. There are no gods, actually, other gods, but the, the point being, if the pagans had other gods, they are not anything compared to the God, the greatness of our God. Verse 4, the rock, he is the rock. Uh, and uh, if you've ever been to Israel, especially out of the south of Jerusalem, uh, the boulders and the rocks uh, can be very, very big. And by the way, that's why a lamp was needed when people walked uh, over, hill, over hill and dale at nighttime because the rocks could be pretty good size and you could stump and break your toe on the, on the, on the rocks that would be, uh, be in the desert. But God is the rock. He's the boulder. He's unmovable. 
And ancient people could not, they didn't have tractors and, and, and cranes to move big boulders. Uh, but God is an unmovable rock. Uh, and uh, you can trust God. He, he is stable. He is unmovable. His work is perfect. What He does is absolute. It is perfect. For all His ways are just. God is not an unjust God. If He disciplines us, He is just in that discipline. We deserve that discipline. That discipline will bring us to our senses. Bring us to ourselves, if you will. Bring us to looking to Him and to trusting Him and trusting what He, what he says. His ways are just. His judgments are perfect. He is the God of faithfulness and without injustice. God will not do wrong. He will judge. He can bring pain. Now look up here a second. In order to cause us to drop something that's harmful to ourselves or others, drop it, let go of it. Uh, he can bring pain so that we won't do that again. God can do that. But in doing that, He will not be unjust. He will be just. He will be. He, you can depend on what He does. He does it for a reason, and He is trustable. Righteous and upright is He. Righteous and upright. All of us in this room, uh, we, we want to be right. We want to be just. We want to be fair. But we don't come close compared to the nature of God. You can depend on what He says. You can depend on what He does. Now, I want you to compute that for a moment because all of us in this room, about all of us, or most of us, or a lot of us, have a lot of physical issues, and they're not fun. We, we, we crip around, we, we stumble around, we all go to the doctor. Uh, all the doctors around here ought to be wealthy by the fact that we all, we all go so much. It's like we just pick up the phone, well, when did you go to the doctor last? Uh, because we, we have ailments, and we have problems, and we have, uh, we have difficulties. But God knows what He's doing. He's taking us somewhere. We can trust Him. When bad things come upon us, we can trust Him in our ailments. And God's already told us there's going to be ailments. He's told us. He says all creation groans to be delivered. And He says that Paul says that we groan to be delivered. That's part of the curse. Part of the curse is ailments. Part of the curse is physical. Part of the curse is the fact that we're not going to live forever. And uh, we will have pain in this life. That's part of the curse. God has been fair with us. He's told us there's a problem down there, folks. And the problem is sin. And it affects who you are and what you do. So get over it. <laughs> you have to accept it. And God's going to get us out of here someday. He's going to give us a new body. He's going to give us a, a body that's impervious to disease and to sin. And, uh, and, and, and wrong. God is going to remove us from this, this veil of woe, if you will. Uh, verse 5, They have acted corruptly toward Him. Oh, my word. Here He's talking about Israel. He's talking about the blessings coming from the Jewish people and the end of the land. But they act corruptly toward Him. They're not His children because of their defect. Their defect they are laden with faults, but they are a perverse and crooked generation. Can you imagine? And Moses also told the leadership, he told Joshua, guess what? I'm going to give you the good news. The good news is this people are going to go into the land. The bad news is they're going to fail in the land. 
They already are failing. They already have defects. They're going to turn from God. Uh, God told them the way they were going to be. God told them that they were going to have faults. God told them that they were, they were, they were going to be judged. Even though He was about to bring blessing and protection upon them. Here's this little bitty people sandwiched between Egypt to the south and to, to Babylon to the north, if you will, and Saudi Arabia to the, to the east. Here's this little people. And God says, it's going to be okay if you listen to me. If you obey me. If you stick close to me. It's going to be okay. I will protect you. I will protect you. And by the way, many times through history, God has protected the Jewish people when they didn't deserve it. When they weren't trusting Him. He protected them. I just got through reading another book and I told you almost uh, uh, constantly every day I'm reading something about World War II and especially about the Jews and the terrible things that they went through and yet God took them out of Europe. Those who survived the concentration camps, He took them out of Europe. He brought them back to the promised land. And can you believe that almost every church in Clifton, if the pastor talking this morning about Israel, he's saying, well, God's through with the Jews. He's finished with them. He is not finished with them. <laughs> By the way, did you know that's one of the, the largest prevailing messages of the Bible, especially the Old Testament? And the Old Testament has not, big chunks of the Old Testament have not been fulfilled. That is, I'll bring them back and my son will come and reign in Jerusalem worldwide someday. We're moving toward that day. And the majority, I would say almost all, the pastors in Clifton do not believe that. They don't believe that. They deny, they deny a huge rock. It's kind of like uh, the elephant in the room. <laughs> the, the elephant in the room that they deny is the fact that God's going to bring Israel back Despite their little people, He's protected them. He will bring them back. He has already begun that process. They're already back in the land. And they will be converted someday to Christ. And Jesus will come and reign from Jerusalem worldwide over the, the, the whole of history. He will come and establish His reign. What are these guys paid for in, in, in Clifton? <laughs> what do they draw salaries for? How can they mix, miss the elephant? in the room and deny every, almost every prophecy book uh, speaks of the return of the Jews and the coming of Christ the second time. His first coming was literal. Then they shift donkeys in the stream, middle of the stream, say, well, the second coming will be spiritualized somehow, allegorized. No, first coming is literal. Guess what? Second coming is literal. First coming was historical. Guess what? Second coming will be historical. He's going to come back. We don't change our interpretation in the middle of the stream. But that's what they do. That's what they do. Look at, uh, come down to verse, uh, uh, verse, uh, da, 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 da. Uh, do, 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 do. go to verse 15, verse 15 of this chapter. Uh, in verse 15, um, but Jerushru, hard to pronounce, Jeshuru, Jeshuru, grew fat and kicked. Now, what is Jeshuru? Jeshuru. What is that word? 
It means the upright one who is now ungrateful. I mean, you take this as a reference to the Jewish people, and then the, the, the Hebrew means the upright ones who are now ungrateful. Talking about the Jewish people, talking about the apostasy of the Jewish people. Here in this psalm, Moses is talking about their apostasy. He's about to say goodbye as they enter the land. And he said, let me tell you some bad news. They're going to apostatize. They're going to turn away from God. But Jeshuru are the upright ones who are now ungrateful. They grew fat and kicked, kicked against what God said. You're grown fat and thick and sleek. Then he forsook God, this upright one. That is a reference to uh, the, the Jewish people. Uh, he forsook God who made him. Or the Jewish people, using this term, applying to them, the upright ones, the upright ones forsook God who made him. And they scorned the rock of his salvation. By the way, this chapter, I believe God spoken of as rock, is mentioned as the, as the rock, with an article, is mentioned nine times, I believe, in this chapter. They scorned the rock with the article, the rock, of his salvation. They scorned God's delivery of them, God's saving them, God's salvation of them. They scorned it. That's what's happening in America. America is scorning God. God America is scorning the salvation offered in Christ. God, the, the, this nation is scorning the Word of God. This nation is scorning all the blessings that God has given to it. Just as the Jewish people and God revealed to Moses, guess what, Moses? They're already in the process of scorning. They're already, before they even get into the land, their, their minds and their hearts are turning away from me. They're scorning the rock of their salvation. Verse, 10, verse 16, verse 16. They made God jealous with strange God's with abominations, they provoked him to anger. Now, very often we use the word jealousy in a bad sense. Well, uh, he's jealous of his wife, or she's jealous of her husband, in a bad sense. But there is a good jealousy. There is a proper possession, a proper relationship that God had with His people, with the Jewish people, that is right. And to see them drift away, to see them turn away from Him grieved God. He was jealous over that relation. He wanted to maintain his relationship, his love relationship with the Jewish people. Just with believers today. And so many today are turning away. Our churches are but institutions. Our churches today are but uh, uh, sports organizations. Our churches today are, are just going through the motions. And God does not have the heart in the mind of many in the churches today. They're, they are into religion. <clears throat> They're into, uh, uh, into just uh, the practice of, of doing rituals. Rituals. Uh, candles and robes and, and uh, 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 icons and all kinds of things that are not about God Himself. Not about Him in the personal sense. So they made God jealous as they walked away from Him with strange gods, with worshiping other deities. By the way, you know what broke the Jews from, uh, from uh, idolatry? The Babylonian captivity. 
After the Babylonian captivity, uh, history tells us the Jews never again worshipped idols. Now you want some bad news? If you come to the epistles, the epistles, Corinthians, the letter to the Corinthians, and also I believe to Ephesians, are you ready for this? There were believers in Christ. There were believers in Christ, Greeks and Romans, who were toying again with idolatry. Paul tells them, drop your idols. He's talking to Christians, saints in Christ. Can saints in Christ pick up their idols again? Yes, they can. Saints can do all kinds of sin. Don't, 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 don't think that's impossible. You haven't read your Bible. Saints in Christ can pick up idolatry again. And the Apostle Paul warns, don't do that. Don't go back to your idolatry. The Jewish people were flirting with the gods of the, of the, the peoples uh, in the wilderness that they bumped up against. And of course, when they get into the land, uh, into the Holy Land, the Canaanites, they will pick up the gods of the Canaanites. Some of them, not all of them, thank God. But they will pick up the gods of the Canaanites. Look at verse half, the last half of verse 16. With abominations they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons who were not God, to gods whom they had not known, new gods who came late. <laughs> They're latecomers. Whom your fathers didn't even know or dread. Uh, though, remember when they came out of Egypt, though, uh, that generation did pick up, made the golden calf uh, 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 symbolic of the gods that they had seen in Egypt. You neglected the rock who gave birth to you. You neglected the rock who gave birth to you, and you forgot the God who gave you birth. You forgot Him. And the Lord saw this, and He spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and daughters. Then God said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be. For they are a perverse generation, sons in whom is no faithfulness. They have made me jealous with what is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their idols. So I will make them jealous with those who are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. Who's that foolish nation? We're not sure. Is he talking about just the, the pagans in general? Or does he have a, sp a specific nation of pagans in, in mind? We're not sure. Uh, I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. A fire is kindled in my anger and burns to the lowest part of the grave, Sheol. And consumes the earth. Well, God is mad. He's angry with these, with this idolatry, and consumes the earth with its yield. It sets on fire the foundations of the mountains. Oh boy, look at verse twenty-three. Whoa, I don't like verse twenty-three. I will heap misfortunes on them. Can God do that to His people? You bet He can. Is it just to be a meanie God? Or is it to cause us to drop our sin, drop our idolatry, whatever it is, and come running back to Him? That's the reason. Now look, does God want us to come running back to Him just because He's possessive? Oh, I just want Him to come running back to me. 
Well, he does love us. He did love Israel. But there is safety. There is blessing. There is protection. Why would God not want us to run back to Him? Give me a reason why He would not want that. Why would He want us to drift and to walk away? Give me a reason. You can't. He wants us to run to Him. That's where protection, that's where safety is. And you know, we all have relatives and, 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 and uh, kids or grandkids that we know are wayward from God. And it grieves us. And we ask the question, why don't they run to Him? Why don't they want Him? Why do they walk away when there's nothing better than to have a close, intimate, personal, blessed relationship with the God who created Saturn and Mars and the, and the, and the galaxies and space and this, this world and, and, and us? I'm working on a book. I don't have enough enough to do, so I'm working on another book. And it's going to be on evolution, or against evolution. And we have an awesome book at home about the sea life, deep sea life. And I was going through that book yesterday, and I'm sitting, I'm stunned. You know, the evolutionists, about the only thing they talk about when they speak of evolution is, is you know, the monkey to man. They don't talk about the evolution of the sea life. 3.3 miles deep is animal life. The, the, the bioluminaries that, 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 that send out illuminous uh, 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 signals on their, on their little bodies. <laughs> How did that evolve? Where did that come from? How did they get down there to start off with without dying when they started <laughs> evolving down to 3.3 miles in the ocean? How'd that work? You know what the evolutionists do? They go, hmm. They get real quiet. They cannot explain evolution of sea life. And the, the different species and, and the, the pressure that's on those little bitty creatures. There is one fish, you know, most fish swim like this. There's one fish 3.3 miles down. It's 45 feet long. And it's upright. Its eyes are up here, and it's 45 feet long. It's a fish that goes like this. It has a spine running 45 feet long. Now, where did that evolve from? Or what evolved from that 3.3 miles down? You've got to be nuts to be an evolutionist. You've got to be as crazy as a bed bug. I'll take a, a, you know, a net and throw over you and haul you up to Terrell or something. By the way, when I was growing up, the only insane asylum in Texas was Terrell. So we always used to make the joke, you know, we'll send you to Terrell. <laughs> I think there's a few more now. Uh, but <laughs> that was the only insane asylum in Texas was Terrell. I'll send him to Terrell. A fish, 45 feet long, that stays up and down with a spine 45 feet long. Octopi with some of the eyes of an octopus the size of a volleyball and big. And by the way, part of the makeup of the octopus eye is like a human's eye. Figure that one out. 
Well, I guess we've evolved from octopi then, right? <laughs> See, if you start using that reasoning, that's what you'd come up with. Well, we evolved from an octopus. That they cannot say, by the way, almost all sea creatures, there's only a couple of them that their, their eyes are closed because they've been in the dark so long. Almost all of them, I'd say 98 or 99%, have eyes. And yet they're in total darkness, miles down. Because they can see the little bioluminous little creatures and go, yeah, you know, to, to grab them to eat them. Uh, and to say that there is evolution is, is, is crazy. You have to be nuts to believe that. And some of you are just coming out of college. I'm sure you've got an earful with some of your professors. By the way, don't hold your hand up, any, any old Baptist in this room. Uh, I taught at one of the best Baptist schools in America, Washington Baptist University, for a couple of years, and Lacey went to school there. And because I could, I, I, she could go because I was a teacher, professor there. And here, all the Baptists of Arkansas, Washington Baptist University, one of the best schools in the country, academically. The first class, Lacey was going to take a biology class. The biology professor was the brother in law of the president of the school. His first message, supported by all Arkansas Baptists, was, now if you all think that I'm going to believe this thing about somebody being born from a virgin, you're just crazy. I have no, no way or no way do I believe that. And all the Baptists are paying for Washington Baptist University. And you're doing the same if you're Texas Baptist for this thing down in, in Waco. Same thing. I don't see how they do it. <laughs> now, hey, if you want to go there because it's an academic school, fine. But don't go there and say, I'm going to a Christian school. I'm sorry, it won't work. These teachers need to be fired to allow the kids to be told that there's a fish 45 feet long that goes around the bottom of the ocean like this, and he evolved from, or something evolved from him. That's dumb. They refuse to accept the Word of God, that God, in, in, a, in, a, in a literal, real sense, created all life uniquely. And that's the way it is, period. All right, look at verse 23 again. I will heap misfortunes on them. I'll use my arrows on them. They shall be wasted by famine and consumed by plague and bitter destruction. And the teeth of beasts I will send upon them with the venom of crawling things of the dust. God, why are you, why will you bring this judgment? Why, oh why, oh why? Now look up here. We could give about a dozen reasons, but one of the big reasons I haven't mentioned yet is because with great light comes great responsibility. With great light comes great responsibility. No people on earth had the revelation from the God of creation like the Jewish people. No people had His Word, His prophecy, His grace. No people on earth were so privileged as to know the God of creation like the Jewish people. And for them to turn against that and to spurn that. And I could apply this to Christian schools that are teaching evolution. How in the world can they be blessed? And to say all this happened by accident. How in the world can they do that? 
And oh, maybe a little throw God in somewhere along the line. Oh, well, yeah. You know. How can they do it? How can they expect the anvil not to fall on the top of their heads? To deny. And by the way, you know what the centerpiece of, of, of salvation is? And the, and the centerpiece of, of your existence? The centerpiece of your existence and the issue of salvation is the fact of God as the Creator. Not the Evolver, but the Creator. That's, the, that's the, the, the core of the whole issue on the homosexual issues. God did not create, uh, you know, Mike and, and, and whatever. He created Sally and Bill, okay? God created men and women to be different. And that's the family. That's the, the, core, the core of democracy is the family. A man and a woman. It's not homosexuality. And that goes against creation. Creation. How did God make us? What did God intend in terms of the family and procreation? What did God intend? And to spit on the first chapter of Genesis. To literally go spit on it. And say that, that first of all, that we evolved. And then secondly, that homosexual uh, relations is, is okay. That's, 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 there's no problem with that. To de defy God. To defy God. You know in the Old Testament they called homosexual? The dogs. The dogs. God says they're dogs. This is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And God says, I'm calling the homosexuals dogs. They're dogs. They don't eat better than cur dogs. And for us to stand up and, and accept that in our culture, and to, 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 I see no problem with that, or to accept evolution and say it's okay to say that, that God did not especially create life for a specific reason and create different species for different purposes. And to deny that is madness. And it's happening in our Christian schools. In our Christian universities, it's not a minor issue, and I'll, I would dare say there's not a pastor in Clifton that will tell you this is a major issue, not a teeny weeny, tiny weeny issue. This is a major issue <clears throat> to say that that God did not create uniquely all life on earth. It is a major issue to deny. His creative genius is given in the book of Genesis. Do we understand all the hows of creation? No. And neither does the evolutionists. They put tape on their mouth when they come to uh, the evolution of sea creatures. Put tape on their mouth. They can't say a thing. It's too, it's too, it's too unique. It's so different. It's so uh, mind-blowing. And I was reading this book and I, 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 could, I couldn't believe it. I'd gone through it before, but it just... I had goosebumps on my arms to, to look at what God made is, you know, three, two or three miles deep in the ocean that He made unique. Those little creatures down there, no way can they get to the top without their cells exploding in their bodies. No way could they get to the bottom without their cells exploding, imploding. There's no way. There's no way. It's impossible. 
But I wait a minute. That little creature that lives 3.3 miles down. Okay, let's say he started in the muck on, on, on the earth, on the slime. He started in the slime. So he says, I think I'll go down 3.3 miles down and live down there. So at what point going down, because he has to live on the bottom. He feeds off the bottom. Well, wait a minute. He got halfway down. He got a mile and a half down, evolving, you know, having little, little baby creatures. They would, have, they would have imploded. They couldn't have made it down. Well, let's reverse it. Let's say that, that evolution started from the bottom of the wheels up. You know, he, he worked his way up. And by the way, you want the joke? The joke is the whale. Don't, don't forget the whale. Remember the whale's a mammal? And what the whale did now, he oozed out of the sea and became some land mammal. They didn't tell, I don't tell you what. And then guess what? He evolved and went back to the ocean. That's the whale. He said, I like it better back in the ocean. And so he took a couple of million years and evolved and went back to the water. He liked it better than being on the land. That's what they tell the kids in colleges. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. To defy his creative genius, God will send arrows. God will send famine. God will send bitter destruction. Bitter destruction. By the way, guess what great nation went into evolution late? America. Guess what countries went into evolution early? England, Germany. And the, and the persecutions and the pain and the judgments that fell on Germany and even England. Even England. England lost her empire after World War II. She lost her blessings. America came late into the evolutionary framework of things. We came late. So guess what? We coasted the furthest, spiritually speaking, in terms of the history of the nations. We've coasted the furthest. And now we're getting just like France and we're getting just like Germany. We're going the direction of those nations uh, whom God uh, God has done destroying. All right, let's keep going. Look at your verse 28 of chapter 32. I'm not going to finish, so I'm sorry, I'm not going to finish. Verse 28. They are a nation lacking in counsel. There is no understanding in them. Wait a minute, he's talking to the people about to enter the land. Moses is, is talking, he's giving a song that he wants to be sung around the, around the fireplaces at night, around the, 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 the fires that are lit. Verse 29. Would that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would just oh look oh my word oh look at that's the verse twenty nine that they would discern their future that they would discern their future Americans can no longer think in the future there's no more discernment I hear school teachers telling me over and over again this is this is a famous uh, line by Jeff Gutterman that because he taught in public schools of New York that in time they quit teaching the kids to discern to be able to think forward. To think about the next week, the consequences of what I do today, what it will bear one month from now, one year from now. Discernment. Look what it says. Oh, that they would be wise, that they would understand this, that they would discern their future. How could one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight? That is, be, be victorious in battle, be victorious in battle, unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had given them up that has given up his people. 
Indeed, their rock is not like our rock. That is, the, the, the rock of the pagans is not like the rock of God. Even our enemies themselves judge this. Even the enemies of Israel knew that. The enemies of, that, that the Jews, uh, as they went into Canaan, understood. Remember uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the city of Jericho? The city of Jericho? The people were petrified. They knew, look at my hand motion, they knew the Jews were coming and they knew that God was ahead of the Jewish people and they were quaking in their boots. They knew here came the Jews and their God is going to protect them. And they started shaking because they knew of the God of the Jewish people. Even our enemies themselves judge this. They know that God is with us, if you will. Verse 32, for their, their vine is from the vine of Sodom. Oh my word. What do you think of when you think of Sodom and Gomorrah? You think of homosexuality. Their vine is from the vine of Sodom and from the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of poison. Their clusters are bitter. Now he's talking about the Jewish people, about the end of the land, supposedly about to be blessed in the land, protected by God. And guess what God is saying? Joshua, elders of the, of, the, of the people, I've got bad news for you. The bad news is that these people have a bitter vine. These people are going to walk away from me when they get in the, in the land. Verse 33, their, their, vine, their wine, that is, is the venom of serpents and the deadly poison of cobras. It is not laid up in store with me, sealed up in my treasures, Vengeance is mine and retribution. In due time, their foot will slide. Folks, America is standing on a banana peel. We're standing on a banana peel. You've got to get the CD. Please come running up to me at the end of this message that, that Betty and, and, and Connie did with me yesterday as I asked them questions about what they see in the public schools and what they see with the young women who come and give birth in the hospitals there in Waco. You've got, you, you will not believe what, what Connie and what Betty see every day and what, what they understand. Our nation is standing on a banana peel. Did you know uh, girls can go to the hospitals in Waco and they can claim to be indigents? They get thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of help to have the babies, then they get thousands of dollars to take care of the babies afterwards and we pay for all this. And they come into the hospital and say, hey, we're going to get free. This is never spoken of in terms of the public media. Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And they will not get married, so the man and woman who have the baby are living together. Why? Because they can both can get government support. They both can get government. They marry, and the support's gone. But they get government support, and they loaf. They go and get a, a job and still draw government support. We are paying for it. That's what's killing us. Nobody has the guts to stand up and say, where is responsibility? What we're doing is sinful. Folks, there's no way to turn this around. Look, I'm going to be with you. I'm gonna, we're going to vote all... Vote to hopefully the right people on Tuesday, come Tuesday. But I'm telling you, who's going to say, no longer will we give away to people who can work and spend thousands and thousands of dollars? 
for them to come to hospitals and get, get free. Some of these folks who are drawing Medicaid, the wife, this is the third or fourth child of being born that uh, has no father, uh, no, no, no dad, so to speak, in that sense. And the mothers will call the hospital and say, send the ambulance. I'm about to deliver my child. Send the ambulance to pick me up. Send the ambulance to take, to take me to the hospital. And so the government's charged a thousand bucks for that ambulance to go get the girl. To bring her to the hospital to get free delivery. Thousands of dollars for the hospital and for the food for the baby. Now look, suddenly you can get you can get suddenly you can start feeling for the poor child. <clears throat> I'm feeling for the child too. That the child have a family of mother and father intact. And that the father is working hard. By the way, Connie read some statistics that will blow you away. You, you will not believe the statistics. Most crimes are committed by boys who have only a mother in the family, no father. Most criminals come from one parent, and almost 100% is, is mothers only. And the government is working hard to destroy the family system and to support feminism so the woman can work and get free child care, free medical care, free delivery care, and it has destroyed the families. And you and I are paying for it. Now look, watch my lips. There is no way to turn that around. The first senator that says we've got to stop giving this free giveaway for childbearing, he's dead. The first senator or congressman who says that, he's, he's meat. Because we're already into socialism. By the way, we're not moving towards socialism. We're already into socialism. Come and have all the babies you want. The government will pick up the tab. And there's going to be a judgment. There's going to be a judgment. Look at verse 35 again. Vengeance is mine and retribution. In due time their foot will slip. For the day of their calamity is near and the impending things are hastening upon them. Think of America. Read that again and I'm going to stop right here. Think. Look at that verse 35 again and we're going to stop. The impending things are hastening upon them. America, the impending things are hastening upon America. Let's close in prayer. Father, we don't like these verses. We wish it were different. Oh, Father, we plead for mercy, but all we see is judgment. We wish it were different, but all we see is impending judgment coming upon this nation. We see no way out except for our people to throw themselves on their face before their Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way. In His name we pray. Amen.